All right. This morning, we begin a new sermon series in the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 8. If you just open your Bible right in the middle, you should be right around Proverbs. It's right after Psalms. Uh, This week is going to be a lot of introduction to the book of Proverbs, kind of helping you get oriented in how we're going to approach our study of this book. Uh, But in a few minutes, we'll get to Proverbs 8, and that will be kind of the main uh, reading portion for this morning. The very first verse of Proverbs begins by telling us the author. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So the author of Proverbs is Solomon, at least primarily. Uh, There's a couple of chapters towards the end of the book uh, that are actually written by different people, and they give the names there. Uh, But most of the book of Proverbs comes from Solomon. Uh, Solomon, of course, the son of the famous King David. And in order to understand Proverbs, you need to know a few things about Solomon. Uh, In particular, a life-changing event, an encounter that he had with God. 2 Chronicles 1, verse 7 records what happened. It says, In that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Now that's just think about what an amazing opportunity that is. Uh, God appears to you and says, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Name what you want. I mean, just just imagine what would go through your mind at that moment. Uh, Most of us probably would think selfishly, right? Give me a hundred billion dollars or give me a long life and perfect health, something like that. But not Solomon. Uh, Here was his response to the Lord. Solomon said to God, you have shown great uh, and steadfast love to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? So recognizing his responsibility as a king over Israel, Solomon asks for wisdom. And God answered Solomon in verse 11 and said, Because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for a long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you and none after you shall have the like. So God grants to Solomon wisdom and knowledge more than any man the world had ever seen. We see, we read of this wisdom of Solomon uh, quite a bit in the books of 2 Chronicles and 1 Kings. Here's just one uh, passage that kind of gives you an example of this. 1 Kings 4.29 says that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the people, uh, all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite and Heman the and Calcol and Darda the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke three thousand proverbs, and his songs were one thousand and five. And so those very proverbs are the ones that we're going to be studying over the next several months, the wise sayings of King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. Verse 34 says, The people of the nations, all nations, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, 
and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And so the wisdom of Solomon led to his fame spreading to all of the surrounding nations. Uh, You read of people like the Queen of Sheba and others who traveled to Israel specifically just to see uh, this empire that had been built and to hear the wisdom of King Solomon. Solomon's wisdom led to peace and prosperity throughout the nation of Israel. Uh, This is kind of the pinnacle of Israel's history was under King Solomon. Solomon established good relations with the surrounding nations. He made trade deals that increased the wealth of Israel greatly. And so this great empire was built through Solomon's wisdom. And so naturally, much of his words were written down. Uh, If you had an encounter with the wisest person to ever live, you would probably jot some of those things down. And so they were uh, written down and collected into the book we call Proverbs. Not surprisingly, the primary theme of Proverbs is wisdom. And so you do need to learn just one Hebrew word today, chokmah. Okay, this is the word for wisdom. And I think perhaps the best way to understand what wisdom is, is by looking at its synonyms. If you're asking for a definition of chokmah, I think a good explanation of this would be to look through the Proverbs and see other related terms that are used to help draw out the meaning of this word wisdom. And so we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 8, kind of walking through the first, uh, quite a bit of the the chapter there to get a definition of wisdom. Proverbs 8, beginning with verse 1, says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gate in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. So here we have wisdom personified as a woman crying out in the streets, calling out to people to listen to her. This is something that shows up many times in Proverbs. Verse 4, this is wisdom speaking now. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries." So wisdom is pictured at the beginning of that passage as crying out in the streets, calling to anyone who will listen. And those who diligently seek after wisdom and find it have the results of blessing and honor and righteousness. Basically, success is the end result of a life lived wisely. 
And so if you want to distill Proverbs 8 down to a series of principles, it would be first, wisdom is crying out to you. It's yours for the taking. Uh, Anyone can acquire wisdom if you seek it. Secondly, wisdom is grounded in truth and righteousness. We're going to explore that more next week. And then thirdly, wisdom promises blessing and leads to success. But did you notice throughout all of those verses, other terms, related terms that were used, uh, sort of synonyms that help explain and draw out the meaning of wisdom. As you glance over the page there in Proverbs 8, you see words like understanding, prudence, sense, instruction, knowledge, discretion, counsel, insight. And each of these helps further draw out the definition of wisdom by exploring a different level of it. And these terms are used all throughout the book of Proverbs. And so I think by exploring them, we'll gain a better understanding of what hokmah, uh, wisdom, means. First of all, instruction. Uh, The first level of wisdom is instruction or knowledge. These are the facts, information, the basics. Uh, When you first learn to drive, this is the stuff you really need to know about a car. Uh, Like, you know, this pedal makes you go forward, this pedal uh, stops the car, that sort of stuff. Just the basic facts, the basic information. I'll never forget the first time that I was behind a wheel of a car. Uh, It wasn't exactly what you might call legal. Uh, I didn't have a license, I didn't have a permit. Uh, Basically, a friend threw me his keys and just assumed that I had driven before, and I didn't correct him. So, uh, I get behind the wheel of the car having no idea uh, what I was doing. And so I figured, how hard can it be? I put the key in the ignition, uh, started the car, I knew at least that much. But then when I started to try to reverse it, because it was in a a parking spot, uh, I couldn't figure out how to change the gears. I didn't realize you had to put your foot on the brake pedal in order to to shift it into reverse. And so that took me a little while to figure out. Eventually, I got it in reverse, and then I was quite surprised when the car suddenly jolted backwards. Uh, I thought if you press the gas pedal, the car moves. If you press the brake pedal, it stops. And so if you press neither... It just stays still. Uh, Nope, that's not how it works. And so I was uh, kind of stumbling along trying to figure out how to drive a car. Nobody got hurt. Everything was fine. Uh, But what I really needed was knowledge, instruction. I needed to know the basics. I needed somebody to come along and tell me what to do here. And so knowledge or instruction, this is like the basic foundational level of wisdom. These are the facts. The second level of wisdom would be understanding or insight. This is more than just knowledge. This is deeper. Uh, This is seeing things that others don't see, really grasping something thoroughly. Uh, This is not just a surface knowledge. So most of us understand if you press the gas pedal, the car goes forward, but very few of us could could understand why, right? You couldn't explain, well, this is what's happening in the car and the mechanics of it that cause it to move. But somebody with understanding or insight into how cars work, they could explain what the various parts of the vehicle are doing when you press the gas pedal and how that end result of speeding takes place. Most drivers of cars have knowledge. A car mechanic has insight or understanding. The third level would be discernment. Uh, Discernment is primarily the ability to notice distinctions. It's seeing clearly what others see as a blur. Now, this is being able to perceive something complicated with clarity. And so discernment. Then next, you have discretion or prudence. This is really where we move beyond just the intellectual into the practical. 
uh, knowledge or understanding or discernment. These are all aspects of wisdom that have to do with us analyzing or grasping something intellectually. Discretion or prudence is knowing how to apply all of that insight. It's the ability to know the best course of action given all of that information. Uh, That's why if you look at Proverbs 8, uh, toward the end of the passage, wisdom moves from head knowledge to actions. Uh, Throughout the passage, it's it's describing wisdom as understanding, insights, knowledge, instruction. And then it says, by me, wisdom says, by me, kings rule. Uh, By me, princes govern. And so now we're moving from just the head knowledge, understanding things, to actually applying that into our daily lives and into uh, into different situations. So Solomon's reign over Israel uh, led to peace and prosperity and success for the whole nation, not because he just thought wise thoughts or said wise things, but because he actually established wise laws. He used his wisdom to establish good trades and to carry out his work as a king. And so going back to our illustration of of the car mechanic, maybe you know how uh, cars work somewhat. You understand a little bit about the various parts, how they work together. Discretion or prudence would be knowing what needs to be done in order to fix a car. Uh, Once you have a deep understanding of how something works, you can analyze it. Uh, Then you can kind of look at it and figure out what's probably wrong and what needs to be done to get it operating correctly. Uh, What problem is causing which symptom and what the best move would be to get this going again? And so uh, discretion or prudence is sort of putting together all of the pieces of information uh, and understanding that you've gained that then leads you to making wise decisions. And this leads to the last level of wisdom, skill or expertise. Now you might be thinking, I didn't see those words in Proverbs 8. Uh, You are correct. I cheated on this one. Uh, This concept comes from Exodus 35, where God tells Moses to build the tabernacle. And God handpicks a couple of people in Israel who were skilled craftsmen to help in the construction of the tabernacle. So verse 30 of Exodus 35 says, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. And that word for skill, there in verse 31, is the Hebrew word hokmah, the very same word for wisdom. And so Bezalel has wisdom or skill in working with metal and wood, as the next verses go on to explain. God had given him wisdom, skill, intelligence, knowledge, in order to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. So here's why I put this at the fifth level of wisdom. Uh, Each of these aspects of wisdom is building off of the previous ones. So knowledge is sort of the foundational stuff, just knowing the basics, understanding insight, that's a deeper uh, understanding of something. Uh, Discretion, prudence, that's the practical, okay, here's what we do in light of what we know. Skill or discernment comes only through experience. Uh, Again, using our car analogy, if you understand cars well, you have insight into how they work, then you have discernment so you can see clearly uh, what needs to be done, what the best course of action is to fix a car, and then you do it over and over and over again. You work with them for a while and you gain that experience until you become a skilled or expert mechanic. 
This is not just intellectual knowledge, it's something you've mastered. And then you become the guy that everybody brings their cars to to fix because everybody knows that you have a lot of experience. You have an expertise in this area. You have wisdom. And so you have to have knowledge and understanding to start with, but then experience of working with something over and over, dealing with life's situations, all of that increases your skill or your expertise, your wisdom in that area. You don't get skill or expertise merely from reading or theorizing. This takes practice, uh, whether we're talking about sewing or drawing or woodworking or whatever. Uh, Next, uh, wisdom that Proverbs is talking about, of course, is far more important and foundational than something like knowing how to fix a car. That's just one example of a type of wisdom or skill. Wisdom in Proverbs has to do with how to live life as a wise person. And this is where it really moves beyond just head knowledge of some facts into our daily living and the choices that we make. Uh, You could say it this way, smart people get good grades, wise people live good lives. And so wisdom is inseparable from knowledge, but it's more than just that. You need knowledge to have wisdom, but it's more than just facts. It's understanding. Uh, It's insight. Being able to see how things function and then using that information to figure out the best decisions. And so wisdom is knowledge, understanding, insight, skill. It's understanding how the world works. Being able to break it down and examine it and then live the best way in light of truth and reality that you understand deeply. Now in relation to wisdom, Proverbs introduces us to three categories of people. The wise the foolish, and the simple. The wise, as we've said, is someone with understanding, someone with insight, uh, someone who has figured out life. This is a person who makes good decisions. Foolish and simple people are both unwise, uh, but there's a big difference between the two in terms of their attitude. Uh, The simple person doesn't have wisdom. Uh, He doesn't know stuff that he really needs to learn. The fool rejects wisdom. And so the simple is like, uh, you know, a one-year-old child sticking a fork into an electrical outlet. You think, boy, that's not a smart decision, but he doesn't really know any better. If that same child at 13 is still sticking forks into outlets, well, now he's just a fool. Uh, He should know better, and yet he's choosing to do something dumb. Uh, Here's a few Proverbs to kind of show you these categories. First, the simple. Uh, Proverbs 1-4, right at the very beginning of the book, where it's explaining why these Proverbs were written down. One of the reasons is to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And we're going to see throughout Proverbs that simple is often uh, tied to youth, uh, that if you're young, you tend to be simple. So the simple person, in fact, I would say all of us when we're young are simple. We're all born in the category of simple. Nobody is born wise and nobody's really born a fool. Uh, We're all born simple. And so the simple person, which is all of us starting off, can become wise through reading Proverbs. Again, Proverbs 7, verse 7 says, I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. And so you see the connection between being simple and being young again in that verse. Uh, Wisdom is gained through learning, being instructed through life's experiences. In other words, nobody is born wise. We all start off simple and have to learn wisdom. Proverbs 14, verse 15 says, The simple believes everything, 
but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And so another word for simple would be gullible. Uh, They haven't yet learned to discern between right and wrong, between truth and lies. Uh, One more verse on the simple, Proverbs 22, verse 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And so the simple person is also the one who doesn't think about consequences. He's only looking at what's right in front of him, not thinking about what the end result of those actions might be. So everyone is born in the simple category, uh, but we also have a natural tendency towards becoming the fool. Uh, Wisdom has to be taught to us. You don't get wisdom on accident. Uh, Proverbs 29 verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. So discipline and instruction is how we gain wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So in an ideal setting, a simple child, which again is all of us, will be raised in a home with wise parents and teachers who can instruct and discipline the child in the way of wisdom. A child without discipline and without instruction will become a fool. And so as we read Proverbs, don't think of the simple and the fool as the same person. They're not. Uh, It's a difference in attitude. The simple person doesn't know things that he needs to learn. The fool doesn't want to know. He doesn't even listen when someone tries to instruct him. Here's a couple of Proverbs that illustrate the difference well. Proverbs 19 verse 25 says, Strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Again, in chapter 21, a very similar verse. When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. And so another word for the fool in Proverbs is a scoffer. When you punish a fool or a scoffer, he doesn't learn. Uh, He refuses to listen. Uh, This is the guy who gets speeding tickets over and over and over for all of his life and just never changes the way that he drives. That's a fool. The simple don't respond that way. They see the consequences of their dumb actions or even the dumb actions of other people, and they become wise as a result. And so simple people can become wise. But if they scoff at wisdom, if they refuse to learn, then they are a fool. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to to advice. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 1, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So everyone starts off in life simple gullible, uh, without wisdom or sense, not able to think about long-term consequences. We're all born that way. And we all either listen to wisdom as we age and thus we learn and become wise, or we scoff at wisdom. We reject it. We do whatever we think is right in our own eyes, and then we become a fool. Now, if I do my job right in preaching through the book of Proverbs, Uh, nobody will be able to say you're still in the simple category. Uh, We've got about 35 sermons through Proverbs that I have sketched out, and so that'll take us to uh, somewhere around January. So if I've done my job well in clearly teaching what Proverbs says about all of these areas of life and how to walk wisely, you will know how to make wise choices, and you'll either choose to be wise or choose the way of the fool. If you're simple, there's hope for you. Uh, Don't think that if you've made bad decisions in your life, you've done some dumb things, that there's just no hope. No. 
You're never too old to begin making wise choices. And so regardless of how you've lived up to this point, Proverbs says you can turn your life around. You can follow the path of wisdom to a better future, as long as you have a heart inclined to wisdom and instruction. If you scoff at wisdom and reject it and refuse to change your ways in some area of life that Proverbs says you're wrong about, then you'll be a fool and there's no hope for you unless you listen and learn from wisdom. Wisdom is calling out to you if you'll listen, but so is folly. Proverbs 8 shows us the personification of wisdom as a woman crying out in the streets for anyone who will listen to her. But folly in Proverbs 9 is doing the very same thing. Proverbs 9 verse 13 says, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. So there's this natural attraction and appeal to foolish living. It seems like the easier and more fun path. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. And here's what she says. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And so folly offers temporary pleasure to the simple. But then look at the end result of living uh, the life of folly. It says in verse 18, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So how we think about wisdom really comes down to what our view of success or happiness in life is. And I want to explore this a little bit. Uh, Different ways of thinking about success. Uh, Different ways of thinking about happiness. What are we really after in life? Some people think that they're most happy when eating Little Debbie snacks. Now that's true happiness. And so whenever they want to, they grab the snacks and they eat them. And it fills their lives with happiness during that time. But then we all recognize there's a deeper kind of happiness that comes to those who eat healthy and exercise. They're suffering in a sense while we're sitting on the couch eating moon pies. They're at the gym working and eating salads and all that good stuff. One person looks a lot happier in that moment. But then if you zoom out and look at the totality of their lives, the one person ends up with all sorts of health problems, maybe dies young because his heart fails or something, and the other lives a long life, has full functionality, ends up seeing his great-grandkids grow up. That's a deeper kind of happiness. It looks like sacrifice and hard work, but in the end, you reap greater rewards than if you chose the path of temporary pleasure. Uh, Or to use a different example, we see this all the time in the world, someone who is rich and successful, Maybe a businessman, and the world looks at him and says, he's wise. Uh, He's a genius. Look at this great business he's built, all of these billions of dollars that he's made. Surely this is a wise man. Yet his family falls apart. He's never home. His wife divorces him. His kids grow up to resent him. And at the end of his life, he dies a lonely and miserable man with tons of money and a very successful business, but no meaningful relationships. Was he wise? Well, maybe in one area, he worked hard, he followed wisdom principles with regard to his work, but he made foolish choices in other areas. Proverbs wants us to be really wise, to experience real success as God defines it, eternal success. 
Proverbs calls us to reject the wisdom of the world, which is really folly, and instead take heed to the wisdom of God, calling out to us and offering us a flourishing life if we'll follow God's principles. So that's wisdom. Uh, Let's talk about Proverbs now. What is a proverb? Maybe that's an unfamiliar term to you, but we all use Proverbs regularly in our daily lives. A proverb is just a short, pithy saying that is generally considered to communicate wisdom or good advice. Okay, as a teenager, uh, about the most fun I had was jumping off cliffs into water, cliff diving. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, And the further you drop before you hit the water, the more fun it is. And so me and my brother used to do this sometimes. We also used to like kayak over waterfalls, kind of a similar uh, dynamic there. But uh, for people like us who are into that sort of thing, there's a proverb. Look before you leap. Uh, Before you jump off a cliff into the water, it's a good idea to go down to the bottom, make sure the water is deep enough, because sometimes there's a rock or something that you don't see uh, right under the surface, and you can really hurt yourself. So look before you leap. That's an example of a proverb. If you do construction work where you have to cut sheetrock or two-by-fours or flooring or whatever, there's a well-known proverb for you. Measure twice, cut once. Anyone who's ever done work like that, you know the frustration of cutting something and, oh, it's a half inch too short. Now you got to throw it away and get another piece. And so measure twice, cut once. That's a proverb that communicates how you can save time if you'll uh, put a little bit more time in on the front end. Uh, There's lots of other proverbs, like a short pencil is better than a long memory. And you could just say, write stuff down so you don't have to try to remember it. But something about the proverb, it hits differently. It kind of makes it a little more memorable. And so this is what the book of Proverbs provides for us. Ancient wisdom for everyday life. If you want a definition of a proverb in the Bible, it's practical advice for living well as a follower of God in the world that he has created. Again, we're going to explore more of that next week as we talk about Uh, how this relates to God in particular, that these are not just good tips for living life in a way that will get you more money or something like that, but that it's actually, uh, the book of Proverbs is oriented towards God being in the center of our lives. But Proverbs are practical pieces of advice for living well as a follower of God in the world that he has created. And these Proverbs cover a whole range of subjects. And so rather than working our way through the book verse by verse like we typically do, uh, with Proverbs, we're going to study the book thematically. Uh, What I've done in preparation for this study is separated every verse of Proverbs into various subjects. And so each week we're going to take a different topic and survey the whole book uh, and what it says about that subject. And so we're going to talk about everything, Uh, money, relationships, integrity, alcohol, gossip, Jealousy, communication, time management, even food. Uh, Really practical stuff. It's all there in Proverbs. Basically, Proverbs teaches us how to be good at life. As my dad used to say, life is hard, it's harder when you're stupid. And while Proverbs is a little more sophisticated than that, uh, the point is still there. It clearly teaches us that making wise choices over a long period of time lead to success, prosperity, and a full and rich life, a good life, a life without regrets. That's what walking in the way of wisdom leads to. It's also important as we begin our study of Proverbs to read this book in light of the rest of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Uh, So in the Old Testament, there are three books that are a part of the wisdom literature. You have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, 
and Job. Those are the three wisdom books of the Old Testament. And these three books taken together provide a complete view of the subjects covered in Proverbs, the principles of wisdom. Proverbs gives us those principles, and Ecclesiastes and Job wrestle with the exceptions. Uh, So Proverbs says, live wisely, follow God's rules, and your life will go well, and you'll avoid a lot of trouble. Then Job comes along, and he's like, well, I did all of that, and look where it got me. Uh, Ecclesiastes is obsessed with the exceptions to the rules. It's all he can see. Uh, Proverbs says something like, work hard, uh, be righteous, and you'll have health and prosperity. But if you're lazy and wicked, you'll be poor and destitute. And then Ecclesiastes comes along, and he's like, well, I know a guy. Uh, And he's righteous and diligent, and he's worked his whole life, and then he died young. And I've seen some really evil people live long and prosperous lives. So this is all ridiculous. Everything is meaningless. Uh, That's kind of the attitude of the book of Ecclesiastes. So Proverbs provides these black and white rules. Ecclesiastes focuses on the exceptions to those rules. He's looking around him, not seeing the principles of Proverbs in his own life experience. Job follows the principles of Proverbs, and it works out very well for him for a time. And then his life falls apart. And for a while, he's kind of in the same boat as Ecclesiastes, wondering, is life just random and unfair? Is God unjust? But then at the end of Job and Ecclesiastes, uh, both of the authors are able to work through these issues, and they end up with a more nuanced view of life. And so if you feel like Proverbs is too simplistic at times, uh, read Ecclesiastes and Job, and you'll see that there's layers and complexities to life that are explored in those books. It's important not to view Proverbs as a book of promises. Uh, These are principles, uh, generally true statements, best practices. And so I can say to somebody, you will live longer if you eat healthy. That's generally true. Uh, But of course, some people eat healthy and they exercise, they do all the stuff you're supposed to do, and then they get hit by a bus and they die young. Okay, so yes, there are exceptions, but it's still a generally true statement that this is the best practice, and this will most likely lead to good results. So the wisdom books taken together provide a balanced view where Proverbs gives us the general principles of life, and Job and Ecclesiastes are books that sort of wrestle with the exceptions and when those principles don't appear to be working out as predicted. Proverbs is an immensely practical book for all of us. Every day you make choices. Uh, many of which you don't even think twice about. Your attitude, your words, how you're going to interact with your family or coworkers today, how you're going to work, what you're going to do with your free time, uh, what time you're going to wake up, uh, what you're going to eat and drink today, what you're going to spend money on. Uh, all of those decisions we make every single day. You might make wise choices, you might make foolish choices, Or you might make a mixture. Probably most of us are a mixture of wise and foolish choices. Maybe you make wise choices with your attitude and your words, and you work diligently, but then you aren't great with managing your money and you make foolish choices with your health. Maybe you're really good at managing your money, you're great at managing your time, but your attitude kind of stinks and your relationships are not good. And so most of us are kind of a mixed bag uh, when it comes to wisdom, which means we all have something to learn. Uh, In our study of Proverbs, all of us have areas that we can grow in wisdom. Now, here's one aspect of Proverbs that may frustrate you. Uh, If you're expecting to be able to just open the book of Proverbs 
and find a very clear-cut answer to a specific problem or decision in your life. Proverbs is less concerned with specifically telling you what the wise choice is in every situation and is more concerned with helping you become the kind of person who makes wise choices. I should probably say that again, shouldn't I? Proverbs is less concerned with specifically telling you what the wise choice is in every situation and is more concerned with helping you become the kind of person who makes wise choices. So the book of Proverbs doesn't always just say, do this. In this situation, do this. Uh, Rather, it takes a little bit more thought. Uh, These principles that we're going to be studying really need to sink in deep and begin to shape the way that you think about the world around you. And then once you begin to think like a wise person, your actions and your choices will flow from that. Uh, Or as Proverbs 16.22 puts it, good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. So having good sense, another term for wisdom, leads to a fruitful life. Uh, You train your brain to think wisely, and that leads to better decision-making. Christians struggle with decision-making all the time, especially when there's a big choice in front of you, and you're wondering, what is God's will? Uh, Should I marry this person, or should I break up with them? Uh, Should I take this job or that job? Should I move to this new place, or should I stay where I am? Uh, Christians often struggle to know what God's will is in those decisions. You want to do whatever God would have you to do. Maybe you're completely surrendered to his will. But how do you know? How do you discern what God wants you to do in those types of situations? Well, some people say you should pray about it. You should pray until you have peace from God, uh, whatever that means. Uh, So you sort of pray about taking this job for a while, and then you pray about taking that other job for a while, and then whichever one gives you a better feeling is the one that God wants you to choose. Other people say, look for signs, and so they'll Uh, Do something like, God, if you want me to marry this girl, help the next car that I see to be yellow, or something like that. Uh, Still others think, well, we're supposed to turn to the Bible for answers to these questions, so you're trying to decide which house to buy, and so you grab your Bible, you kind of just let it fall open to a random page, you point at a verse, and you see that it says, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so you stop and you think for a minute, and that doesn't really have anything to do with which house to buy, so you try again. You close the Bible, you open it back up, you look at a verse, and it says Judas Iscariot went out and hanged himself. Uh, well, maybe the third time's the charm, so you try it again. You, you close the Bible, open it back up, and you read this time. So Jacob journeyed west of Bethel, and you think, aha, uh, I should choose whichever house is furthest west. Uh, God has revealed his will to me through his word. And some of you are laughing, but I'm telling you people do this. Uh, They think that that's the way we're supposed to know God's will, is to look for some sort of hidden meaning in the Bible that happens to apply to our situation. Most of us, I hope, recognize that's not the best approach. Uh, All of those sorts of ideas are sort of just random uh, attempts to figure out God's will. But then how are we supposed to know? How do we know what God wants us to do In all of life's situations where the Bible doesn't give us clear-cut answers, where it's not really a right and wrong issue, it's a matter of which choice is best. The answer is wisdom. As we grow in wisdom and learn to think the way God thinks, as we become a wise person, we will make wise choices in all of those matters of life that the Bible may not specifically address. 
Uh, which job to choose, which school to send your kids to, all of that sort of thing. Uh, wisdom is the primary way God reveals his will to us in those matters. Some of God's will is revealed directly in Scripture, of course. Uh, God commands us not to steal. And so if you're wondering, should I rob that bank this week? Uh, the answer is no. But most of life's decisions aren't moral choices like that, where one option is clearly right and one is clearly wrong. A lot of our choices are more complicated. And while God at times has revealed things uh, supernaturally to people, you know, you see that in Scripture where God appears to someone in a vision or uh, sends an angel telling somebody what to do, uh, that's pretty rare and probably not something that most of us are going to experience. Rather, God has provided us with wisdom to guide our lives. And yet, so many Christians today ignore wisdom and look for a sign instead. We want God to speak to us while we're shutting our ears to the call of wisdom crying out in the streets. As Proverbs 1 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you have refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster." Proverbs provides for us observations of reality and principles that direct us in how to live a life that is flourishing in God's world. And it's up to each one of us what we're going to do with that information. You can choose to follow the path of wisdom, or you can ignore the calling out of wisdom and stubbornly persist in foolishness. As we study Proverbs, Solomon will lay out for us the way of the wise and the way of the fool, and then it's up to each one of us which path we're going to choose. Uh, that's why when I was considering what graphic to use for this series, I chose the split path image because uh, specifically of this one verse in Proverbs 4, as I was kind of working through the book, reading it a few times and uh, uh, organizing the material for the study, I was struck by the words of Proverbs 4.26, which says, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And I thought, that's it. That's exactly what I want each of us to do throughout this study. Ponder the path of your feet. Don't just read Proverbs and decide whether or not you agree in theory. Uh, don't think about the principles of Proverbs and how they apply to everybody else. Okay, uh, Ponder your own path. Which way are you walking? And so I invite us all to consider personally how we're doing in all of these areas of life that we're going to work through uh, throughout this series. I want to close with just three quick tips how to get the most out of this series. Number one, read through Proverbs at home. 
Uh, Proverbs is Hebrew meditation literature. It's meant to be read and reread over and over and over again. And the more that you read Proverbs, the more you'll notice uh, certain nuances. You'll get more meaning out of each proverb as you read it. And so I want to strongly encourage you to read through the book of Proverbs on your own at home. And one very easy way to do this, uh, because there happens to be 31 chapters in Proverbs and there's 31 days in the month, you can read one proverb a day. And so, you know, whatever, whatever corresponds to the date. So today, I think, is the 21st, you would read Proverbs 21. Uh, tomorrow, you could read Proverbs 22, and then every month, you just restart that. Reading through the book of Proverbs will help you help the principles to sink in deep. It'll help your mind to be shaped by God's wisdom so that you begin to think as he thinks and you make wise choices in your everyday life. Number two, read Proverbs in community with others. Uh, I like our Wednesday night Bible discussions all the time, but especially for the book of Proverbs. It's going to be helpful for us to dialogue and think more deeply about these verses we're going to look at each week. Again, uh, due to the compact nature of the Proverbs, it says a lot in a few words. Uh, Hearing the insights and perspectives of others is going to be a benefit to all of us. Uh, Proverbs is very different than the narrative sections we've been covering the last several years here. Uh, where it's usually pretty simple and straightforward. Proverbs is not really like that. Uh, It requires a lot of thought, uh, meditation, and discussion. All of that will help us uh, draw the depth and richness out of each proverb. Proverbs are a a form of poetry which compresses language. And so that means reading Proverbs requires more time to think and reflect, uh, processing what's been said. So reading and rereading the book is very important. And then also Sundays, of course, I'm going to come having spent some time uh, reading and reflecting on the particular Proverbs we're going to be covering. But then on Wednesday nights, we'll have a chance as a group uh, to read through those Proverbs again, reflect on them more, and talk more about them together. Number three, read Proverbs with a willingness to grow. And here's why I say this. I promise every one of you at some point in this series you're going to be made to feel very uncomfortable. And I will too, uh, because we're going to be talking about topics like money, uh, laziness, gluttony, alcohol, anger, our words, purity, self-discipline, relationships, jealousy, gossip, honesty, generosity, pride, and other such topics. Now let's just be honest with each other for a minute. Uh, How are you doing on all of those things? Does anybody here feel like you're just doing great at all of those different areas of life? 10 out of 10, uh, you're just doing wonderful. Uh, All of us are failures at some of these aspects of life, which means depending on the week, you might feel, feel like you're being personally attacked. My word of comfort to you is twofold. First of all, uh, come back next week, and I'll try to clobber whoever's sitting next to you instead of you. Uh, so we're, we're all going to be on the hot seat for some of these issues. Secondly, the times of greatest discomfort are often the times of greatest growth and maturity. And so rather than running away from those feelings of uncomfortability and conviction, learn to lean into that and make the necessary adjustments in your life. We're all walking down a path. Some of us in certain areas are on a foolish path. And the question will be, how will we respond when confronted with wisdom crying out to us? Will we heed her warnings and turn around and begin walking down the way of wisdom? Or will we stubbornly, foolishly scoff at wisdom and keep going in our own way? Proverbs offers to you a successful life, a really successful life, a full life, 
a fruitful life. And it's up to you what you will do with that wisdom. How much you profit from this series will depend largely on your posture towards the book of Proverbs, uh, whether you have the humility to change your perspective. And so as we go through this series, try and pinpoint the areas that you need to grow in. Uh, There's going to be some that are easy for you. Some weeks you're going to come and you're going to feel like, boy, I'm doing great at this. Uh, No problem. Focus on the ones that are hard, where you feel convicted that you're not walking in wisdom. All right. uh, Today was a lot of introduction. Next week, we're going to dive into the first topic. And so I hope to see you then. Let's pray.